we're in a sermon series entitled Messages to Our Younger Selves. I don't know if I can trust you. Hands where I can see them. I didn't make the slideshow. Messages to Our Younger Selves. That's why there's a picture of young Matthew up there. You'll get to see young Aurelia and others. And we're asking ourselves what gospel or what good news might our younger us's have needed to hear? What might you say to your younger self? If you could send your younger self a message, what would it be? Common internet search themes include be grateful for the pain or trust the process or don't buy that thing or don't trust that person. You'll make it through. These are all good advice. In the book, What I Now Know, Letters to My Younger Self, Maya Angelou, one of the contributors, writes to her younger self, listen to your mother's words who told you when you walk out that door, don't let anybody raise you because you've already been raised. I hope my kids leave with that kind of inheritance. You know what I'm saying? Um, I didn't. In fact, I would actually write the opposite to my younger self. You can't really grow up until you leave this place. You've got to leave this place. In our text, Genesis 12, we have the beginning of Abraham and Sarah's story, the patriarch and matriarch of multiple world religions. Oh my gosh. Uh, in the sunset years of their lives, they're 75. They sense this call to leave, to go. Not, not jump in their motor home and finally enjoy their golden years, but to follow a divine call to be a blessing to all people and all places. I can't imagine the unmet spiritual longings that must have existed within them to respond to that kind of call at 75, but they did. All I know is this is archetype-level stuff, like stuff that's worthy of mimicking in our own lives. Just a little bit of textual geography here. This is nerdy. Stick with me. It's worth it. There's a payoff. Genesis 1 through 11 is considered universal history. It's considered all of our history, and it paints this picture of the world. The world is messed up. I give you one rule, God said. Don't eat from that one tree and you break it. Uh, you have fratricide. You have brother killing brother. You have the proliferation of violence such that God's like, control, all delete, we are restarting this whole nasty thing with the global flood. You have this mysterious story about a big tower in Babel, which is really a story about a young empire and exploitative labor practices to scale up and outcompete all the other burgeoning empires. Think of like Amazon undercutting all the other businesses so that they can steal all the business and then rebrand it as their own basic goods and sell it under their own name. That's the, and so then God disrupts their logistics supply chains. That's the story <laughs> of, of Babylon. And then Genesis 12 comes, and the story zooms in on one ancient, elderly, Mesopotamian couple, a couple of nobodies, and their singular response to this anti-Garden of Eden world that they live in. And to me, this, this little detail of the story, this zooming in, how it moves from the universal, man, this place is jacked up, down to here's what one 
person and one couple decided to do about it. Like, that's beautiful. Just that right there. This whole world is messed up. Look at this one couple. They're going to choose to be a blessing no matter what. For Abraham and Sarah, uh, God calls them to become holy migrants. This is, this is Damon's term from last week's sermon, so go listen to that. God calls them to become holy migrants. God calls them to leave three things. Leave your land, leave your clan, leave your daddy's fam. <laughs> I was trying to rhyme. That's as, that's as close as I can get to it. Uh, leave your land. Literally, the place you know with all of its landmarks, its predictable patterns, the home you built with its rich patina of handprints and well-worn footpaths. Leave your clan. Leave your kindred. Leave your relatives. Leave your social safety net. Those people you know you could call at 2 a.m. to catch a loose goat or watch the kids while you went to the emergency room. And third, leave your household. Leave your your, your ancestor's name, leave your father's household, it says, meaning their name, their reputational capital, your economic safety net. Step outside of that legacy and inheritance of your ancestors. I have something else for you. God says, it's just me and you, kiddos. Let's go. Oh, and if you do, you'll be a blessing to the whole world. All right, so why this particular story as a message for my younger self. Why this story of there's a different future out there if you want it, but you've got a journey toward it. Sometime late in elementary school, uh, it was decided that we would take family photographs. It's not like it is today where you Google it or you go to Fiverr.com or whatever, you hire somebody, meet me at this park, take my pictures, email me the proofs. It wasn't like that, no. Uh, my parents paid all this money up front, <clears throat> and then we got in our Sunday best, and we went to some 1990s studio, and we did all these awkward photos, and then we waited a month until we could pick them up from the photographer. And uh, so I knew I had a month. When we got the pictures, I was in pretty big trouble because it was finally revealed that I was the only one in the family that refused to smile in any picture. That's not entirely true. There was one I smiled in because the photographer said something inappropriate. <laughs> that got a smile, but that was the only one. And I don't even know if we could use that one. Um, I was determined that my face would tell the story I wasn't allowed to speak in our home. And I was determined this was going to be captured in family photographs forever. The message was, this is living hell. I'm dying for this one hour, I refuse to participate in the lie, and they're not going to know for a long time, and after they've paid all their money for these pictures, because that's how Enneagram Nines wake up and choose violence. <laughs> and I did. It's rather mundane. I was working with what I had. If I could sit that kid down, are you there? If I could sit him down, I'd say to him, there's going to come a time when what you know in your depths is disconfirmed for the last time. And you say, I'm done, I'm leaving. There's going to come a time where you say, we don't treat people this way. This is not how the sacred responsibility of parenthood and family should be lived out. 
that this family doesn't need to be cannibals that consume each other's humanity. This isn't right. This isn't how it has to be. This time will come when you, young Matthew, will leave your country, your people, your father's household, and journey toward a land of blessing that God will show you. In my own story, I would say I formally left my father's household when I was 35. 35. 35. That was almost five years ago now. Why did it take me so long? I've mentioned this before, but I grew up with childhood trauma and abuse. Pretty bad stuff. I know CPS was involved in my childhood at multiple points, and a couple years ago, I reached out to them to get my files. I'm like, I want to see the receipts. I want to see the records. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. We can't find your, your files. Thanks, y'all. It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter because my mind remembers, my body remembers the violence at such a brainstem level that it wasn't until I was 35 years old that I could leave my father's household. Sometimes leaving is hard. It's really hard. I can resonate with Abraham, who didn't leave until he was 75. And since then, I've continued to hone my skill of leaving. I've left god-awful jobs. I've left careers and ideologies that don't make sense anymore. I've left relationships that needed to die. I've left religious communities. What about you? This whole message of leaving that young Matthew would have needed to hear, does it resonate with you? Have you or do you sense that divine voice saying to you, you need to leave this place. Be like Abraham and Sarah. Adventure with me into the wilderness. My guess would be yes. Some of us here, I know you, I know your stories. (laughs) Some of us here have left behind narratives we were force-fed about what we need or what's good for us. Some of us have left behind the way we've tried problem-solving because it was madness to keep trying to do the same ineffective Some of us have left behind the hope of a better past. That one is really hard. Some of us have left behind harmful traditions and behaviors and notions of, well, this is just how it has to be. Some of us, like me, have left religious traditions that were harmful. This is one of, I think, the niches that our community fills here in Central Texas. We help people deconstruct from harmful religions. Sometimes, some of you all come to us, pastors, and you say, I'm trying to do this deconstruction thing, but my family is very angry at me. They're telling me things like, you're abandoning us. You're abandoning God. You're abandoning everything we taught you. To which we usually tell them something like, hey, tell them, you taught me to love and follow Jesus, and that's just what I'm doing. Doesn't usually go very well, but it's, it's an answer. No, we're trying. Some of us have had to completely recalibrate our normal meter. You know what I'm saying? Because it's so off because of what we've lived through, our idea of normal is crazy to everyone else. And we need people around us to go, hey, you realize how crazy that is, right? Like Marty did. You realize that's not, that's not normal. That's not okay. For a couple of years, I was practically begging friend to leave a harmful relationship. I was scared for her. I would periodically make Facebook posts with 
the power and control wheel. I don't know if you've seen this wheel. Google it sometime. The power and control wheel. I would just put it on Facebook as my message in a bottle to her. And I would say, if you're in a harmful relationship with these kinds of characteristics, you need to leave. And I'm here anytime you want some support with that. Um, it took years, but she finally did it. Uh, she finally did it. Not because of me, but because she followed that divine voice that kept calling to her, leave and go to a place I am calling you to go to, a place full of blessing. And today, she's flourishing. It's freaking beautiful. I love it. She followed that voice to leave. It's going to be scary and uncertain, but you're going to have to leave. And this is the first part of the message I would say to my younger self. And I say to you with all the pastoral authority I can muster today, get good at leaving. It's okay to leave. Leave whatever you need to leave. You're not going to hear many pastors stand up and say, if you need to leave this community, leave. It's fine. You're here out of no obligation or coercion. We hope you're here with a full heart. Leave whatever you need to leave, which is really a way of saying, get good at growing and outgrowing whatever context you're in. Humans are naturally growing, transforming, evolving beings. We have what they call brain plasticity throughout life, meaning the brain grows and transforms until we die. But human institutions and dynamics and traditions are the opposite. They trend toward rigidity and concretization and refining processes to maintain the status quo. And knowing some of your stories, I know that some of you all have done some serious leaving in the past couple of years. I guess it's been hard. If your experience has been like mine, it probably felt like what I would imagine an exorcism feels like, where you have to cast out voices and traditions and feelings. You have to cast out habits, judgments, internal chains that have to be broken. Here's one reason why. Our earliest experiences, and I learned this from Dr. Bruce Perry, who Jamie mentioned a little bit ago, our earliest experiences get hardwired into the lower subconscious parts of our brains. Down here, not the thinking part up here, the subconscious parts down here. And then everything for the rest of our lives, all experiences we have, they come to us, they get filtered up through that brainstem portion up to the thinking part of our brain, the ivory tower where inputs can be debated. All the data coming into the thinking parts of our brains arrives with a payload already attached to it. It arrives with body sensations like fight or flight or an increased heart rate. It arrives with feelings of excitement or fear or joy or dread already attached to it. By the time we start thinking about things, it comes already with all kinds of feelings and emotions attached to it. Changing, changing that is hard. Making rational choices amidst that setup is hard, which is why I was 35 years old before I could finally begin to make some changes, before I could finally begin to practice some leaping. I think I would say to young Matthew, don't wait till you're 35 to start practicing leaping. You will sabotage a lot of opportunities. You will destroy a lot of relationships. It can be even more hard when you're predisposed, like most of us, to want to avoid uncertainty and to want stability. So 
It doesn't help that God says to Abraham, leave and go to a place that I will show you. Right? We don't know where we're going sometimes on these journeys. We just have to go. We just have to go. I think of that quote from the poet Rumi, where he says, begin to walk in the way and the way will appear. I think of Joseph Campbell's words where he says, if the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's path. In Abraham and Sarah's journey, in each of ours, there is no path. There is no map. Or maybe we could say that the relationship is the map. That sounds about right to me. That's what I would say to younger Matthew. It's going to be uncertain. It's going to look like a very wasteful, indirect, circuitous way of getting to where you feel like you're called to be. Healing and wholeness, that's just how they work. Relationships, that's just how they work. Maps don't work that way, but we're leaving our maps behind to become holy migrants. And by the way, God says one more thing to the couple. If you'll do this, if you'll take this uncertain journey with me, you will encounter unimaginable blessings. You'll become a great nation, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I don't have such grandiose promises for younger us's. But I can tell you that God's fundamental orientation to this crazy Genesis 1 through 11 world, the world that we all inhabit, the world that my younger self knew intimately well, God's fundamental orientation toward all this is blessing. Hey, this place is messed up. Let's go be a blessing to it. From something awful, let's make something beautiful. Look at the stars, God would tell them. Your descendants will be like these. One commentator wrote, it's as if God said to them, you will have familial connections with all the people on earth. The whole earth will become your family. And I would say the same thing to younger me. Leave, and you will grow more than you could have ever thought possible. Leave, and you will find unimaginable blessings. Leave, and you will find unimaginable kinship. Let me conclude with one of my favorite poems, The Journey, by Mary Oliver, where she writes, One day you finally knew what you had to do, and you began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble, and you felt the old tug at your ankles, Mend my life, each voice cried out, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough in a wild night, and the road was full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, there was a new voice which you slowly began to recognize as your own, and it kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. My dear friends, as we listen to our younger selves and speak to them, may we hear the divine voice that calls us to leave and go to places we can't yet imagine to encounter blessings we can't yet imagine, to make kinship with ourselves 
and with the world that we can't yet 